1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host Kane Pittman here alongside my great friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. For today's episode, brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Justin, as usual in the NBA, there was news overnight. More coaching vacancies have been taken up, and we've we've spoken in the past about Darvin Ham. I think a guy that. Uh, we both really like. I think all Bucks fans love, I should say. I don't even know if like is a strong enough word. Uh, certainly well respected uh, right across the NBA, but particularly within the Bucks organization. It, it does look, with the vacancies of the Clippers being taken up uh, among uh, the Pacers as well, another team, it looks like Darwin Ham might be missing out on a head coaching role this offseason. Um, yeah.
0: And, you know, it felt like if it was going to happen for him, I think Chicago was the one to me that uh, mm-hmm. made the most sense that you talk about, um, you know, the Clippers and in Indiana and in even New Orleans and, and teams, I guess I would say on that tier or aspiring to be on that tier. I just didn't think Darvin Ham would be a good fit there that they were, you know, and I guess in the case of the Pacers, um, you can make the case they basically did that, but they were clearly, trying to catch lightning into the bottle and get the next Nick Nurse by what they did. But the other teams, it kind of felt like, okay, Ty Lue has been proven. We know what Stan Van Gundy has done, that they're going to go with a coach more of that nature, that it it seemed like Chicago was probably the best option for him. I don't know, maybe Oklahoma City as well. But yeah, as we were talking about before we went on the air, you hear Darvin Ham's name linked to teams – and uh, you know he's one of those names on the list of interview candidates for every franchise that has an opening or seemingly everyone every year and uh, here we are that you know you can't help but feel discouraged for him and it almost feels like it's just not going to happen
1: it's difficult because we've spoke about this in relation to the Bucks head coaching position and why uh, you know moving on from Mike Budenholzer if you're going to move to another experienced coach then It's like, okay, maybe, maybe, but that does feel like a bit of a sideways move. I mean, I'm not personally, you know, if I was a Sixers fan, I wouldn't be personally jumping out of my chair with excitement about Doc Rivers. If I'm a Pelicans fan, Stan Van Gundy might be a great coach. He's been out of the game for a long time, certainly understands the game. But but those to me aren't exciting coaching hires when coaches, veteran coaches that have had multiple jobs kind of just move from side to side. That doesn't get me out of my seat. I wouldn't have been, you know, overly thrilled about any of those coaching hires for the Bucks if you're going to remove Mike Budenholzer and then going with an assistant coach. There's inherent risk there. There's just risk that you don't know what you're actually going to get. I think the paces, for that reason, as you sort of pointed to, it. and and certainly the Bulls were two teams that could have gone down the path of Darvin Ham because there isn't as much on the line as there is for the Milwaukee Bucks. But I, I do wonder. I mean, Darvin Ham's been with Bud for a long, long time. Uh, I, I don't think. Bud has always been a great relationship coach and Darvin is very much the same. I, I can't really speak to his exes and O's because we haven't really seen that, but I will say that everyone loves him that has anything to do with him. Uh, clearly, he, he is a smart basketball mind to be a, a coach at this level for as long as he has, but you pointed on the important uh, aspect of this. The Pacers have gone with someone that was with Nick Nurse that if you want to compare Nick Nurse to Mike Budenholzer, uh, Nick Nurse certainly might have the relationships as well, but he is known as one of uh, the smartest minds in basketball right now, innovative, uh, willing to try different things. And I think if you're going to go down the path of a, of an unknown assistant, then taking someone from that system that's been around that guy might be a little bit more exciting than taking someone that's been under the butt at the Bucks the last couple of seasons. That, uh, very, very good teams, very good teams, very good organizations in terms of Uh, what they've been able to build the last two seasons, but it's certainly not, I I wouldn't call anything that the Bucs are doing innovative. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, I I guess the last one I can really think of like this is one of the names you mentioned with Doc in the, in the Celtics uh, about a decade ago when uh, Tibbs was basically the hot commodity in terms of assistant coaches. But that's, it's weird because it's almost like a rarity in the NBA where we see it so often. And maybe it's, you know, what we've talked about before on this podcast in that we don't know what each of the assistant coaches is responsible. Whereas in the NFL, you know, this guy calls the offensive plays or defensive plays or he's in charge of this personnel. It's a little more ambiguous unless you're, you know, there at practice and see what happens behind the scenes. So uh, we don't really see that too often. And it feels like outside of, you know, when we saw it happen with Doc in the, in the Celtics, that now uh, Nick Nurse and basically anybody that's on his staff, the immediate interest in him, it's the first time it feels like we've seen that in a while.
1: Absolutely. But we we do hope, um, you know, obviously Darvin Ham can get a job, whether it, if it isn't this year, I, I guess is, is Houston the last job that's still out there? Uh, oh boy. Is it? Yeah, I believe. I think, yeah, I, I think the so. Rockets must be the last job. So, um you know i mean i i can't really imagine the rockets going to although i will say this if they're looking to save dollars houston might be an under-the-radar candidate to go for an untried uh, head coach if they're not wanting to spend well no um coach.
0: okc still hasn't hired one have they hmm
1: yeah that's a good point that's a good point i don't think they have man there was a lot of jobs up there this this offseason yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: but and and oklahoma city i guess Yeah, Uh, the point that we were making earlier of like, hey, this is a team that isn't on the cusp of uh, certainly championship contention. And I think a lot of people assume they probably won't be on the cusp of the playoffs, that they're probably going to move Chris Paul and they're going to look to move some of the players with value and just do a total rebuild that, you know, it's teams like that where Darvin Ham is probably going to have his best shot at getting an opportunity.
1: Well, I guess we shouldn't rule it out then. Still a chance for the OKC job. And Mike D'Antoni, probably the big-name veteran coach that's uh, still out there. And it it might look like maybe he'll team up with uh, his old point guard, Steve Nash in Brooklyn, which, again, uh, Steve Nash, not a extensive coaching resume, but he is... Not at all. <laughs> he, he, again, he again <laughs> is going to be the, uh, the the relationship builder. Obviously, he's got a built-in relationship with Kevin Durant, and and we'll look to uh, to build on that with with Kyrie Irving, no doubt. So maybe for Brooklyn, it would be a smart decision to bring in Mike D'Antoni next to Steve Nash.
0: Yeah, and you know I know we've also talked about this, but it's it's going to be interesting if that becomes the trend, at least yeah. um, this off season, where we've already seen Dave Yeager join Doc in Philadelphia, yeah. and you know we've all, um, I guess. Wished or said, Man, wouldn't it be great if maybe Bud could lure his old friend Kenny Atkinson back onto his staff here? That maybe that's what we see happen for a year where some of these coaches just say, Okay, I'll take a job on a staff and I'll, you know, when things open up again next year and when there's certainly a lot more clarity financially, then I'll pounce and get a a head job of my own.
1: Okay, Justin, let's talk cars and let's talk rockauto.com. Great sponsors of the show here. One of the things I always think about, and on the rare occasion, that I need to to do some work on my car, or I need to pick up some new parts. The one thing, the the last thing I want to do is go into a store and have some guy uh, questioning me about this part and this part and this specification, and I have to come up with the answers on the spot. I, I just don't want to have to deal with that. So this is where, so this is where our great friends over at RockAuto.com uh, come into play here, because you can go straight online, you can look at the RockAuto.com catalog and find all the parts and specifications that fit your car or truck without any annoying questioning that you may get if you go in store all you have to do when you go to rockauto.com is write locked on in the how did you hear about us box today no we sent you that's locked on in the how did you hear about us box amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com All right, so uh, one of the topics I wanted to get to today, yesterday's episode, by the way, if you missed out on that one, we had Tony East over from Locked on Paces come on the show. This was in relation or in response to uh, Zach Lowe mentioning Milwaukee as a team to watch. Uh, that was really all he said, but as we suggested on the podcast yesterday, if Zach Lowe says they're a team to watch, he's probably uh, heard some stuff. I mean, there's not too many people as plugged in as Zach Lowe around the league. So with that, uh, Tony joined the show yesterday and we just went through Victor Oladipo. Really the last 24 months for him, obviously it's been a difficult time. Uh, What he has noticed from him on the court, uh, got some pretty good reaction uh, from the listeners in regards to Victor Oladipo. And I I will say this, a lot of the uh, responses I found were uh, uh, not so positive. I, I think Bucks fans might be... The majority of Bucks fans might be out on the idea of bringing Victor Oladipo in. Uh, Steve Ashburner, a guy uh, we know pretty well, uh, Justin, oftentimes covers the, the Bucks for NBA.com. He, he responded to uh, my tweet and said, uh, ball dominance, field goal percentage, long two range, injury history, delusions of a max, uh, not quite persuaded for the Bucks. I, I don't know if we've specifically spoken about uh, Oladipo, but where do you sit on the scale of him being a potential target? Um." I I'm not opposed to it. I guess
0: um, uh, the interesting thing with Oladipo is I, I guess it would number one, depend on what the assets are. And we're all assuming the assets, you know, aren't going to be overly substantial because uh, I guess it brings me to my bigger point is that either way, I would assume it's a purely a rental because let's say you do resign Giannis and um, you bring in Victor Oladipo and we know his, his figure of what I believe 21 million that he has on the last year of that deal. Um, I don't think, and I know Steve brought up the, the hope for a max. (laughs) I don't see that market for Victor Oladipo anywhere. Um, but it's still going to cost you at least you would think 15 to 18 million per to retain him. When you look at what a max would cost Giannis, what you're already paying Chris. And to add that into the books, we're assuming there's no other moves and that Brooke and, and some of the other guys are still there. I mean, just between Victor Oladipo and Giannis and and Chris Middleton, you're already at about $100 So as you move forward, that really potentially handcuffs you that I would assume there's a chance, a good chance, it would only be for one year. But as we've talked about before, you know you have Giannis for one more year. So I'm not opposed to it because the upside is certainly there while – what we saw from him post-injury was nowhere near the Victor Oladipo we were used to seeing. Let's also keep in mind it was very weird where uh, it seemed like there was a lot of mixed messages and a start and stop for him where he wasn't going to return and then he did return and he clearly didn't look himself. Um, So the upside is what you would be banking on. But again, as long as you have number 34, you kind of got to put all your chips in and go for it. And this is something – that those types of moves, this would be the ideal one. Not so much a Chris Paul one, because if Giannis then decides to leave, you're still stuck with Chris Paul's contract. In this case, well, the worst case scenario, Giannis says, okay, I'm taking this offer elsewhere. Victor Oladipo is probably gone that year too, and then it just becomes a rebuild for you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating because I, I think as the responses came in, I, I, I sort of thought about this a little bit more. So, so we do this, and we do this every day on the show. Uh, I run through different players that could potentially be targets and and we try and cover all bases when it comes to uh, guys that are free agents, when it comes to uh, potential trades that could come off. And I think, and we all do this, I do this as well, we all will get into the point of sitting back and saying, well, okay, well, what's the best case scenario? And what, and if this is the best case scenario, then what's the second best case scenario? And I don't think that Oladipo really fits in the top two or three scenarios that you would play out for this offseason. You might have Chris Paul up there in number one. You might have Drew Holiday uh, 1B or 1 and 2. You might have those two guys uh, there and then a bunch of other guys potentially as well with what you want to do with the mid-level exception and and a variety of different moves. And I'm not sure whether Oladipo and giving up assets, whether it is the the first-round pick, going back to the Pacers would be kind of funny. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, whoever it may be, for one year of a, of a serious risk of Villa, uh, Victor Oladipo. I mean, there's no doubt about that. As you said, there's literally no telling what type of play this guy is going to be next year. I will say that I think his position in the Bucs offense basically as a third option behind Chris Milton and Giannis would put him in a really good position to succeed. But the question I, I guess I want to throw at you and this is for the listeners as well, uh, and they you know they can they can hit us up at Locked On Bucks on Twitter. But if it's you, you, might not get the perfect scenario play out for you this this off season. I mean, we've spent so much time talking about perhaps the the damaged trade value of a guy like Eric Bledsoe, who everyone says, well, yeah, trade Bledsoe obviously. And you have seen all the stories come out from national writers saying the Bucks' number one uh, move this off season should be to move Bledsoe. Well, sure, but you might not get the, the absolute uh, number one option that you want back for that. So my question would be, would you trade a DiVincenzo, a first, and you know a Bledsoe to get Oladipo for one season or would you run back the same team? Because that's essentially what we're asking here. Because if you can't pull off the other trades and Oladipo is the, is the best you can get, then you're faced with a decision like, okay, what do we do with these assets that we have right now do we trade these and take the risk with all the depot or do we run it back? And and I, I think for the most part, I would say, okay, let's, let's go and see what we can do with all the depot.
0: Yeah. The tricky part is, um, unless this is something that's worked out like right around now and leading up to the draft. And I guess that's what we're assuming is that you would say, okay, tell us who you want to draft and we'll make that pick. And then we're going to include this guy in the deal and you would be giving the Pacers their pick back. Um, if that's my option, I'm with you where I would be more inclined to change it up because, look, you, you've seen the ceiling, or at least we think the ceiling, and what Victor Oladipo, when healthy, is capable of doing. And even if he doesn't uh, become that player again, what you saw from him in the bubble – I mean, we say, look, he looked nothing uh, like himself, not just in the bubble, but in the, what, 20 or so games that he played this past year um, – that was still a player that was a level above what you were getting from Dante DiVincenzo. And I think ultimately it's going to cost you a a pick in Dante and then whatever else you can get to make it work out. So, um, if you're able to clear out some of that salary and then you're saying, okay, here's our two best assets, a draft pick. And this guy who, you know, we're certainly very high on and we think could develop into, you know, maybe a player like you saw from Victor Oladipo last year. Um, Hopefully, Indiana, well, that's what they would be looking for. As we said, I don't really know um, what the value is across the league for Victor Oladipo, where you talked about it uh, with Eric Bledsoe. I mean, you can make a similar case, obviously, for different reasons with Oladipo, the biggest being, okay, he's going to be 28, I think, by the time the season starts. That's a serious injury that he's coming off of. And by the way, you, you know you only have him for a year that, uh, who knows, he could opt to leave. So that right there is the biggest part that takes away from the value. Uh, but just looking at it in a sense that, in all likelihood, Dante is going to be the biggest asset involved in a deal that would net a guy like Victor Oladipo. Well, right now, how they are, struggles or not, you would take Victor Oladipo over Dante DiVincenzo. If I just said straight up, one for one, every single Bucks fan, I would think would make that deal. So if you're telling me, here's a contract you want to get out from, it's going to cost you Dante in a first. And by the way, you might hit it big on Victor Oladipo's upside. I think you have to do that.
1: So I would imagine if the Bucks are giving up this first round pick as well, and you can argue the value of a a pick 24 in a a not so great uh, draft class. You can argue the value of that. It's probably not great. Uh, I think the injury for Aladepo tanks his value. Also, the fact that there's only one year tanks his value. So I don't think that the Pacers are in a position where they can really uh, leverage too much uh, with depot, anyway. So, you know, one of the trades that Tony threw out there on yesterday's podcast didn't actually include Dante and it was DJ Wilson the first day and Eric Bledsoe. I mean, I don't think that that's the, the package that's going to get it done anyway. It was a three-team trade. So there was a couple other things going on there as well. But I, I'm not sure that that's going to be a package that would get anything substantial done for the Bucks. But I have no doubt that they would push back on trading DiVincenzo because he is a guy, uh, for good reason, that they have a lot of uh, faith that he can become a significant player in the league and a significant player within the franchise. I, I guess the difficult thing to know, and this is what we've looked at with Dante, I mean, uh, he, he, was, he was huge for the Bucks this year. I mean, you know, the last couple of playoff games, he really bounced back and played well. Outside of that, a disappointing bubble for Dante. But throughout the regular season, he was excellent. Excellent. And a season that, you know, almost you could say was his rookie season because he hardly played in his first year. So he gave you and Bucks fans a lot of reason for optimism that he could become, you know, maybe not a, a certified starter on a contender, but certainly that six man guy that can score pretty well, can have an impact defensively. Basically, a really valuable player in, in the NBA in 2020 and beyond. But you only get a limited window to cash in on players' value that that have the type of upside that Dante's got. And and when I I say that, I mean, if things don't work out and if Dante's three-point shot doesn't get to the level that we all hope it does, and if he's finishing around the basket never really improves, there is at least some... Reason to to think, or or some reason to project forward, that you might look back in a couple years and say, well, after this season, that was probably where his value was at his highest.
0: Um, yeah, and you know, I think the other big thing or big asset that Dante gives the Bucks right now, the best part that he gives the Bucks is certainly the the upside. But as as we just talked about, with okay, uh, you know, best case scenario, you re-sign Giannis to the max. I mean, we already know the money you're paying Chris and you couple that with Giannis being in the 40s and the figure that that's going to cost you, you're going to get very expensive very quickly. Where You're already there, where you're on basically the threshold of going into the tax. But a max for Giannis and keeping talent around him, especially given the Bucs' situation in terms of their future assets and draft picks, it, it basically guarantees you're going to go into the luxury tax, and that's what makes Dante even more valuable in that, you know, it's two more years where it's around what three and a half and four million that you're going to be paying him before he hits restricted free agency. So, you do need some of these younger guys that are on cheaper deals that can contribute. So, uh, that's where it it really also shines a light on that big gap where everything seemingly everything prior to uh, Malcolm Brogdon. The Bucs just had an enormous hole in terms of draft picks that were very productive for them. You started to get a brief window of it, but then it kind of vanished. And when you get expensive, you need some of those draft picks. And especially, think about – second round pick of Malcolm Brogdon to get as much value out of him as you did for the amount of time that you did. I mean, those are the things you have to do. We saw the Warriors do things like that, where the Warriors would buy second round picks and turn it into productive guys because of all the money you're tied up in your superstars. You're going to need that. And we just haven't seen that from the Bucs. So that's another added layer to the value of Dante
1: DiVincenzo. Once again, it's time to talk Built Bar. Now, Justin, the best tasting protein bar on the market, the bar that's covered in 100% chocolate and it's soft and easy to chew. Uh, The best thing about Built Bar, it's healthy. It's healthy. You can get away with eating this before exercise, after exercise, just as a a mid-workday snack. Uh, It's all perfect. It all works well. You can choose from any of the flavors that you like, whether it's cookies and cream, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, uh, whichever path you want to go down, they have an answer for you. Uh, the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And as always, we've got a great deal for you guys. All you have to do is go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. It, it would provide. Some pretty serious anxiety moving forward watching Dante DiVincenzo play if the Bucks were to use him in a trade where your potential return only lasted 12 months. so And, and,
0: and especially if you watch Dante DiVincenzo all of a sudden blossom into a yeah. more consistent shooter and the player
1: you envisioned him to be. Uh, absolutely. So uh, that's why I would have significant pause in including DiVincenzo for a trade for Oladipo. If you are really, really concerned, and and so (laughs) this is where it becomes a difficult game for the Bucks to play. Because if Giannis, if he doesn't want to uh, sign any type of extension this offseason, which, you know, I mean, it's on the table. I mean, that's a real thing that could potentially happen, and you're faced with the possibility of losing him next year. Then I don't think that, I mean, you obviously can't sit on your hands. You obviously can't come back with the same roster next year. And then you might say, well, we have to do this. If this is the trade that we can make and this is what could potentially, the upside could potentially take us to another level, we might have to include a guy like Dante that we really don't want to include in a deal like this because we simply have to do something. So that comes back to the original question that I threw at you there. And for for the listeners as well, you can say that Oladipo might not be perfect and he might not be a perfect fit and there's a huge injury risk and I 100% agree with that. But What happens if that's the best trade you can make? I, I don't think you want to roll, roll the dice with going back with the same group again.
0: Well, and as the adage goes, as Michael Scott said, Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots <laughs> that you don't take. So, um, you know, think about what happened with the Raptors where we had similar discussions of, uh, you know, I, I talked about this on my podcast yesterday with Bill Horenda out in California that, you know, he was, uh, he was talking about the Bucks situation, and he was in the camp that he was very surprised they didn't fire Bud, but, but glad they didn't. And his rationale was, you know, as, as much as fans may not want to hear it, you do have to entertain the thought that, look, two years in a row the Bucks just had bad luck. And they ran into the best team, at least in the Eastern Conference, the Raptors. And then this past year, the bubble was weird. And we knew, dating back to January, Miami is a bad matchup for this team. Granted, most of us thought that meant Miami could push the Bucks to six or maybe even seven games. Not that Miami should sweep the Bucs, but you knew it was a bad matchup. So uh, his point in that, look, you do have to kind of entertain that theory of we've just run into the worst possible scenario two years in a row but I go back to Toronto and you know Toronto was a laughing stock and we all poked fun at them year after year for their inability to get past LeBron and it would, it seemed like they were just running into a wall year after year and it got worse year after year and as soon as LeBron James left and Masai Ujiri saw okay there's a chance and you saw the way things broke with Kawhi Leonard he went out and made his move This is it, potentially, and I think you have to view it as this is our last chance because, as we've said numerous times, who knows what happens with Giannis. You know you have this year, so you got to do everything you can, and I forget who the GM was. I don't believe it was Daryl Morey, but um, that said, even if you have a 5% chance at winning the title, you have to put all your eggs in that basket and go for it just because of how difficult it is to follow through on that and you know running out the same group while bad luck may have contributed to your early departure two years in a row running out the same group it it never works for anybody think of historically whenever that happened you at least make minor tinkering and I think we've seen okay we know how the last two years have ended I think we know the deficiencies on this roster and as we keep pointing to Who knows? Because it seems like there could be deals out there lurking for teams like Brooklyn and possibly even Philly. And maybe that involves Victor Oladipo. So if for no other reason than uh, not even making yourself better, but making sure the East doesn't do the same and you are the clear-cut favorite, even if it means seeing a younger asset who eventually blossoms somewhere else go, I think you have to do something like that to bring in more of a proven commodity to to view this as, okay, this is our final year, and if we get more from Giannis, great, but we have to approach it as
1: we're not. So the Bucs are betting favorites to get out of the East. I know we spoke about that. I'm still a little skeptical about uh, who came up with those odds there, but uh, I 100% agree, and, and I think this is, the, this is why this offseason is so fascinating for Milwaukee, because as we spoke about, a number of the teams uh, let's just say they're not getting worse. I, I don't think the challenge is going to get any easier for the Bucks moving forward, and that's where uh, I think for a lot of Bucks fans, that's where the anxiety comes from. But I reckon we can leave it there for today. Uh, just, just the usual two podcast week for you, Justin. Uh, uh, it's just, uh, just the norm these days. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's becoming the norm. I welcome it. And
0: you know, I, I know we're going to leave it here, but let's assume. that the deal that you outlined is is what the Bucks did and it was Eric Bledsoe and Dante and uh, first round pick for Victor Oladipo do you think that that closes the door on Wesley Matthews as well
1: um no no I, I don't I don't know what you would do in terms of uh, would you try and start uh, Oladipo as a, as a point guard and say, "Well, listen, we yeah. got Chris, we got Giannis, we got Oladipo, we've got enough ball handling, we can figure this out." And would you leave Matthews at the two? I think defensively, what he was able to do, if you can get another year out of Wesley Matthews, particularly with those those marquee matchups, I, I think you would you would absolutely love that. I mean, we still saw at times uh, what he was able to do on Butler. Uh, or uh, maybe it would, and you would move Oladipo to the two, and you would, uh, I mean, I guess you could start George Hill, but, but potentially you would pick up uh, another point guard, a veteran point guard uh, with with some of the other uh, roster moves you'd be able to make. I'm not sure. It's, it's, it would be an interesting, interesting experiment, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to keep, uh, uh, it's probably the Hill I'll die on, but I remain, look, not as a starter, obviously, but it, a potential rotational guy. I remain intrigued by uh, Frank Mason, and if he was given more of a look and an opportunity, what he could give—not, I guess, not just the Bucs, but any team out there.
1: Yeah, Frankie, I uh, always enjoy watching him play. Uh, it's completely—I mean, he's too good for the G League. Uh, whether or not he would be a rotation player on a on a contender, who knows? But uh, I think we, we certainly saw in very very minimal stretches that uh, he can score. He can score a little bit. Size probably an issue defensively, and I think you know ultimately, I think that's what's held him back uh in his years in the nba but at the same time i'd be very surprised if he was a guy the bucks could hang on to with a two-way deal uh, that seems a little ridiculous all right let's leave it there i'm sure we will talk uh next week at some point and, and for those that, that aren't aware my my team everyone probably well not everyone but a, a large portion of the, the audience here would uh, know that i live in geelong in australia uh geelong my australian football team is is in Uh, The equivalent of the Super Bowl, we call it the grand final, but they're in the equivalent of the Super Bowl on Saturday night over here. So uh, I'm I'm just going to apologize in advance. I have no idea what the podcasts are going to look like next week. If Geelong win, who knows? Maybe there won't be podcasts. If they lose, maybe uh, there's a chance I could just be drunk for the whole week. Uh, Who knows? I I don't even know what to expect. But I'm also giving you fair warning, Justin, of what could be ahead next week.
0: So have you reached out to Frank to get any of the uh, Rockies shipped to you for celebration?
1: uh i haven't and i don't think frank would help me out <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's uh i don't think he's sharing any of the rockies goodness that's for sure hard to blame him yeah all right justin i appreciate you it's always good to hang out with uh you my friend and all the listeners as i said interesting questions today to come from the podcast keep giving us your feedback uh you guys are really fueling the show uh here throughout the off season so i love it i appreciate it uh make sure you guys stay safe out there and we will be back tomorrow